Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. My name is Anna. And I'm Sam. And today we are finishing the Funding the War arc with the final episode, Senate Murders. This also finishes off season two because this is season two, episode 15. You thought we were done a while ago, but here we are. Boy, howdy. Am I excited to be done with season two? (laughs) So Senate Murders is season two, episode 15. Fortune cookie. Searching for the truth is easy. Accepting the truth is hard. Searching for the truth isn't always easy. I would I would think that Bale and Padme agree with you. This is true. We open in the middle of season two, where we are picking up the threads of our conflict from the first two episodes in this arc. We have the senator from Camino, Hallie Bertoni, who's trying to get the Republic to order five million more clone troopers. Padme's the vocal naysayer. She's saying that taking a loan from the banking clan could bankrupt the Republic, could cause them to forfeit essential services to most of the population. So it kind of seems like this episode was later expanded into the other episodes. Yes. I get the feeling that heroes on both sides and pursuit of peace were the retcon of this original thread. But this one is really important because of the aforementioned murder. Yeah, well, murders. Plural. So Padme's cohort is essentially trying to cut military funding. We all know how this works out in the real world. Mm -hmm. And that is how it plays out in Star Wars. A little bit. We meet... Padme's cohort, it is mostly made up of women. It is Padme, Mon Mothma, Lolo, Mm -hmm. who's from Rhodia. Yes. Uh, Uncle Ono, who's also from Rhodia, Mm -hmm. and Bail Organa. And they're all wearing beautiful robes. They are a good looking crew. Yes. They're very fun. It seems like Padme is still coasting on the waves of support that she earned in pursuit of peace. Mm-hmm. There's lots of applause for her next speech in support of cutting the military funding. But as they're toasting to their success, Uncle Ono clutches his heart and we smash cut to his funeral. Yeah. He was poisoned. He died. And then we meet Lieutenant Inspector Devo. Devo. Who who is utterly ridiculous. He is extravagantly over the top. He is mostly forehead. And belly. Yes. And he also is the, like, he's the right libertarian version of, like, the ideal cop. He's sitting there in a room with the Chancellor of the Galactic Republic and a bunch of senators whose friends have just murdered. And he's like, politicians, am I right? And then all the politicians of the room are like, we do not agree with you. Yeah, he's a real doof. He's a real pill. Mm -hmm. And he at least is following this hunch that he has that Ono had a secret, like all politicians do, Mm -hmm. and it must have resurfaced and caused his death. Padme is not convinced by this stellar display of police work Mm -hmm. and decides to conduct her own investigation. So Mon Mothma is like, I know your action, Padme, but could you please take a guard? And she's like, no. It's like, would you take bail? He's big and madly and strong. He's like, like, don't worry, I won't get in your way. Fine. She's like, fine. Whatever. So she starts out by questioning the creepiest senators. We have Bertoni from Camino and Dici. So it's the one who looks like a witch and the one who looks like a vampire. So Dici is an Umbaran. Oh. And that will come up later. But he definitely looks and speaks like an, a vampire. He, has he does. He has the pointiest chin. 
He is alabaster pale. Yes. And, I say as a pale person myself. And he has uh, pale eyes that let him see in the dark. And like a Roman kind of elder vampire accent. He, he does. And then uh, Bertoni is a hunched over Kaminoan who speaks like your grandmother who has not gone with a dry martini glass since the 60s. Oh my God. She's so funny. She looks like Isma from the Emperor's New Groove. She does. <laughs> Dichi is like, oh, Senator Amidala, we all respected Ono. And then Bertoni is like, I want it to be stated for the record that I had no respect for Ono whatsoever. And they're in Dichi's Senate office, which as opposed to Padme's beautiful Art Deco and somehow 95% patio Senate office, Dichi's is black and red with black and red stripes. Oh, yes. It's you could evil. see bats basically making their heyday up there. Yes. Yeah, it's a real vibe. So it turns out that Dichi was having Ono followed mm-hmm. because that's what you do when you're a creepy senator. And Ono had a clandestine meeting over on the docks the night before he died. Which is incredibly pertinent information on Coruscant over on the docks. Over on the docks. It took me a long time. I was like, oh, yeah, docks by the ocean. And then I'm like, wait a second. We're in outer space. Yeah. This is a spaceship dock. Also, there's no ocean on Coruscant because it's a single biome planet. Yes, which we talk about on our Patreon. Yes. Padme puts on her butt-kicking outfit from Mandalore. And Bale searches through his closet until he finds his butt-kicking outfit. Oh, does he? What's he wearing? He's wearing a sweater. It's like a tactical turtleneck with oh key, my God. Like the cable knit turtleneck, <laughs> but only on like the neck and shoulder region. It's uh, It's... Pretty, it looks good. It's, it's like about a, as yeah. as tactical as our elderly statesman, you know, man about town, dapper Mr. Gets, I guess. Yeah, and although Padme has a insane, like, snub-nosed, long-barreled mm-hmm. custom blaster mm-hmm. just, that's got, you know, it, she had to get a new faceplate on it to put the uh, kill marks on it, but... Bale's armed. He's got his blaster. Oh, yeah. So they sneak around the docks. Someone immediately tries to drop a huge crate on them. Mm -hmm. There's a cloaked assassin trying to add to the murder tally in the Senate. Yes. They almost get Bale. He's like hanging off the, you know, the dock by his fingertips. Mm -hmm. The shipping container that just missed him crashes onto the streets of Coruscant. The cops all see it. The cops all see it. Lieutenant Devo comes and gives Padme a talking to. Which is like... The correct thing to do. Which is absolutely correct. And he's like, now the killer knows you're on to him. And Padme is like, oh, yeah, we are going after a killer. Maybe they were trying to kill us, too. Let's go confront him. And then what Padme says is, who knows who we that we were here? Yes. And it's- so it's Dichi and Bertoni. Yes. She gets to Dichi's creepy lair and he has been stabbed. He's been staked. He's been staked <laughs> through the heart. Oh my God, I did not even realize that. With like a really ornate dagger. Ceremonial like right vampire slaying dagger. Yeah, exactly. It's like getting up Buffy all in here. Mm-hmm. So everyone gathers in Padme's office. Lolo comes staggering in saying mm-hmm. that Bertoni tried to kill her. Yes. Lieutenant Devo gets all up in her face. He's like, I ran a forensic report on Ono and he was poisoned with a serum that only affects Rodians and it was developed by Kaminoan scientists. So Bertoni is in cuffs. She's being questioned. The gang's all there. The 
cops are all there and she is actually being acted very well for someone with a crazy space accent because she actually sounds quite innocent. She's like, I didn't kill him. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Her expressions are very much like, I have no idea what you're talking Which about. Is difficult because she has eyes the size of bowling balls. They're very large. Devo, like, you know, shakes his finger at her and he's like, that's means, motive, and opportunity. Boom. But Padme's brain, like you can see her buffering. She's like, well, the scan must be wrong because if it only affected Rodians, then it would have affected Lolo. But Lolo drank the wine too, right, Lolo? Lolo? (laughs) Lolo pulls out her pocket blaster, takes Padme hostage. Oh, man. Devo actually springs into action and he uses his police issue risk communicator to call up two droids who appear behind Lolo. When Lolo turns, Padme, action Padme is the pistol out. Knocks the blaster out of her hand, punches her in the face. Mean right hook. Decks her. She is out of commission. And, uh... And it turns out that Lolo was upset that Ono brought war to Rhodia. So if you remember... Uh, in the Newt Gunray captured arc, the Galactic Senate postponed a bill for relief aid to Rhodia. Mm-hmm. So all of the Rhodian people were starving and Ono got involved with the Separatists because they were the only ones offering to save his people. And he lured Padme there mm-hmm. and Padme was captured in a tower rescued by Jar Master Jar Jar Binks. Uh-huh. The Kray Dragon or the uh, the Quasel Mom yeah, makes a which special is appearance. One of our classic episodes. It was so fun. The thing that turns Ono aside is that Newt Gunray wants Padme executed before he will release the aid to Rhodia. And then Ono, of course, turns on Newt Gunray and is like, I was with the Republic the whole time. So the whole episode before he died, Ono was lamenting his involvement in that. Yeah. And what Lolo says is, like, he was weak, and we mm-hmm. needed someone with strength to stand against this war. Yeah. So she killed Ono. She killed Dichi. And the episode closes on their bill to cut military funding and and not create five million more troopers. It fails in the Senate. Yeah. And Palpatine says, how can we justify not funding our troops if we're justifying like funding additional security in the Senate building to prevent us from Lolo's in the future. Yep. So now I just want to know how Palpatine was behind it all, because did you catch that smirk when Lolo turns on Padme? No, I didn't. That Palpatine had? Palpatine was in Padme's office. Mm-hmm. The whole the gang is all there. And then yeah. Lolo points her blaster at the room and is using Padme as a human shield. And for like a blink and you miss it moment, Palpatine is smirking. And we close on his line. He's like, I myself don't support this decision, the mm-hmm. bill, but democracy must stand. And that's an exact callback to his line at the end of Pursuit of Peace. Yep. We're going to have to let the wheels of democracy turn, which is his way of saying, I'm going to figure out a way to get these clones produced. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, in all of these plans, Palpatine always is playing all the angles. Because if Padme had gotten shot, he would have been like, well, this is great. This is perfect because I'll have 
an anguished Anakin, which I can maybe use, maybe can't, whatever. I'll make a martyr out of Senator Amidala now but, that she's dead. But I'll get to like do all sorts of things in her name that she wouldn't have done anyway. She's a huge thorn in my side. Mm-hmm. So living or dead, Padme is a very useful tool for Palpatine. Yeah, absolutely. So that's Senate murders. Where do you want to start? Um, well, you brought up about Ono, and I think that he is the actual meat for me of this episode. Really? Even though he's alive for about three and a half minutes? Yes, because as you said, he is anguished. He is devastated. And he brings up at least twice in really emphatic terms how sad he is and that it took him so long to start doing the right thing. Hmm. He was full of regrets. Hmm. And I think that that's a really interesting story to explore. We, we know the story. You can listen to the previous podcast on what exactly happened. But the emotional journey of doing something that you regret so strongly and then trying to make it right, trying to make amends, and then still having it bite you in the butt is a mm. real... I mean, that's the hero's journey of this episode, honestly. Yeah, I am, I'm very unsurprised to hear that you relate to Ono. And then I really related to Ono because I think I love characters who are trying to atone. Mm, exactly. It exactly. gives them such a fascinating motive and such a urgency to their their drive, like their... All of their decisions seem to swirl around some great understanding about themselves or some great trauma. And I think that is really interesting to watch in a character. Mm-hmm. And it's not that he was a weak character because uh, right after Padme gives her speech, they go and they're celebrating and having drinks. Senator, um, oh, what's her name? Bertini, Bertoni. Bertoni comes in. And he, like, dresses her down and shows her out. Everyone's like, it's pretty not cool that you're here. And he's like, GTFO. Yeah, in the most diplomatic of terms, he's like, this is a private conversation. You are not invited. Yeah, which is harsh. And he just, like, manhandled, Rodian handles her out. And it is, (laughs) that's a real show of strength. And it's, you know, it was pretty much the last thing he did. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. So I had forgotten how spicy the plot of Bombad Jedi was until I revisited it when Lolo, like, makes her accusation about how Ono, you know, made so many mistakes. And in many ways, I think he was justified. Right? So we know a lot more about the Separatists at the end of this arc than we ever have. Yeah, because of uh, Heroes on Both Sides. Right, exactly. So we know now that the Separatists are full of good senators from the original Galactic Republic Senate. Yeah, it's not just Newt Gunnery and a bajillion battle droids. Yeah, it is them, but it's actual good politicians. And we know that Dooku told them the truth, that Mm -hmm. the Republic is corrupt because it's being led by a Sith Lord. So it's entirely possible that Ono saw his friends leave to Mm -hmm. join the Separatists. And he said, I mean, these are good people. They can't be that wrong. And if the Republic is corrupt, no wonder they would let my people starve. Yeah, I don't think that that is the thing he is sad about. Oh, what do you think he's sad about? About selling out Padme. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it's not his fault that Newt Gunray is the worst. And as soon as Newt told him that he'd have to execute Padme to get the relief for his people, that's when it was all over. But even before that, he knew that it was the the price of admission was to bring Padme to his planet mm. and capture her. 
And that is what he is so ashamed about. Mm. And to that end, it's interesting the way Lolo interprets the events, right? Mm. Because if it had all worked out and Jar Jar hadn't been there and so Padme would have stayed captured and presumably executed, then Anna would have been a, a hero. You know, he would have kept Rodia alive. They would have been fed by the Separatists. Mm. They might have been used as... Uh, training dummies for Lockdurd's defoliator, but they would have lived a little bit longer. They would have gotten what they wanted. They would have made the deal they needed to make. He might have been a hero. I think that would have made him a very morally gray figure. Yeah. Well, so, so there was no winning. Yeah, it was. Uh, so initially in Bombad Jedi, he's a, a Quisling, which is the name for. I believe the Swedish prime minister during World War II, hmm. who just, no, it wasn't Swedish, Norway, who was just emplaced as a, uh, you know, f- dummy dictator, complete like thrall of the Nazis. Hmm. And so by completely rolling over and acquiescing, you know, that history doesn't look kindly on you, although you do keep your people alive. Yeah. So there's. Yeah, it's it's an interesting arc that he has followed, and I, I find it really compelling because that that change that came over him, the the fact that he still is with the burden of betraying Padme, and then he has to live with that every single day because he is one of Padme's closest confidants. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a really great line that Padme says when Bale tells her, like, you're doing a good job, and Padme says I'm doing this because of, oh no, he -hmm. believed that if you see injustice, you can't wait for someone else to come along and fix it. You have to stand up and take action. The irony is that in some lights, that's what Lolo was doing. Yeah. What she says is like, Padme says he made a mistake and Lolo says, which everyone seemed to forget, including you. So she's you know, following in his footsteps. She's not waiting for someone else to correct this perceived injustice. And then the very next thing Padme says is he was sorry. Mm-hmm. And so that is the that is the dichotomy between forgiveness and amends, right? Because to to Lolo, he hadn't made it right. And to Padme, he had somehow. Which is interesting because Padme has always called him Uncle Ono, mm-hmm. which implies that she is his niece, Padme. Or like, I mean, obviously, because they're different species, it's like a... It's like one of the found family kind yeah, of exactly. relationships. But in some ways, I think we get better at forgiving our families because we spend so much more time with them and they have so much more opportunity to do wrong by us. Hmm. That I think we get a little bit more practiced at forgiving the people that we like have to rub along with for the rest of our lives instead of some rando that, you know, does wrong by us once. I think the threshold is higher. Mm. I don't think that it is easier to forgive family. I just think that you have a much larger dump truck full of BS that you'll carry for them. Interesting. That's actually such a great metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, you know, someone on the street who's like, I've wronged you and wronged your country or someone I don't know, like, you know, a politician halfway across the country. I'm like, that person's a D-bag. But a person I know in real life who I disagree with in in many ways, I'd be like, you know, there's parts of you that I think are disreputable and parts of you that I know are upstanding. Hmm. Yeah. 
the uh, the privilege of being known is that people mm-hmm. will weigh all of your good qualities against the BS that you do to them. Yeah, and I, you know, that's something that Padme is obviously great at because she sees the best in everyone. Mm. She sees the best in Anakin. She sees, I mean, Bale's just all best, but she sees the <laughs> best in Uncle Anno. Yeah, and you know, Bertoni, when Lolo comes staggering in and she's like, that senator from Camino attacked me, there's this big frown crease between Padme's eyes, and you can see her being like, that just doesn't add up. Like, yeah. she suspects Bertoni, but I don't think she believes that Bertoni is really behind this. Yes. Also, I mean, Bertoni is a hunched Kaminoan. She's old. Either she's old or she's too used to stooping through human-sized doors or something. But she does not look like a like an MMA fighter. She action Bertoni is not an action figure you can buy. Yes. <laughs> I want to talk about the quality difference between season two and season three of The Clone Wars. Yeah, it is noticeable. Super noticeable. Mm -hmm. What I remember thinking as we finished Pursuit of Peace, Mm -hmm. which is in the belly of season three, I was like, this is amazing. It's so complex. It's such a big story. And they told it so well in 22 minutes. It was beautiful. The dialogue was phenomenal. And then we get bounced back to season two to finish this arc. Mm-hmm. Like, no wonder I wasn't interested in this arc when I watched it in syndication order. Also- you have to watch Senate Murders after Pursuit of Peace or it's, it, it makes no sense. Yeah, because Uncle Anno is in those. Yeah, and there's no emotional buildup mm-hmm. and it's very hard to understand the gravity of creating more clone troopers. Also, the quality upgrade to season three is just incredible. It is. I, looking back at this episode, I am pretty happy because, you know, going back to season one... You you see in the Clone Wars that the animation they animated a handful of faces and then they animated the clones and mm-hmm. that's that's really great because that's one animation model and like one emotion engine you have mm-hmm. to drive. Mm-hmm. Later on, they add more and more different faces. We talked about this during the Mandalore arc. All the Mandalorians pretty much look the same. Yeah, it was noticeable in this episode to me in the Senate scenes Ooh. because every Senator had like two guards and they all were just clones. You know? Oh, I yeah. didn't even catch that. Did you catch Satine? I did catch Satine. Right, right. Just checking. Just checking. We got a little Satine cameo during Ono's funeral. She's in her full Mandalorian regalia. Uh, we, there's two. There's also one right, right at the beginning as we're walking into Padme's office. She's no the way. one walking out. <gasps> what? Yeah. That's really cool because we knew that Padme and Satine were friends, but I had no idea when they would have had time to form that relationship. Yeah, yeah. It once again goes back to when do the senators have all this time? But I guess they just kind of do. I felt grateful again that there was no Anakin in this episode because as we discussed in Heroes on Both Sides Mm -hmm. in Pursuit of Peace, Padme is so busy Like, she does not need 
the emotional burden of being Anakin's wife on top of her job. So that speaks to something else. So I was reading the Inspector Devo Wikipedia page. Ooh. First of all, it is long. It is surprisingly long for someone who only appears in two episodes of The Clone Wars. Yes, he gets a ton of lines and he's a really interesting character. He is. He's portrayed as an utterly inept cop. Well, I don't know. I might push back on that. Please do. Okay, so, well, first of all, all of the Coruscant... Every time we're on Coruscant, we've got this, like, film noir thing. Yes. And all of a sudden, now we've got a murder mystery. And we've got a film noir cop, and he's great. Yes, yes. Like, he's he's such the extreme end of the bell curve when he suspects Bertoni. He's like, ah, looks like that long, long-necked Kaminoan has flown the coop. Yes, and when he's accusing her, the camera angle starts tilting like in a Hitchcock way. Everything's diagonal and slanted, and you're like, whoa, there's an emotional thing. And then we pan over to, we we quick cut over to Lolo's face, and it's tilted, and the lighting is super dramatic. So it's very much a murder mystery at the end. Yeah, when the camera tilts like that, you're supposed to feel kind of unhinged from reality. Yeah, yeah. So... He feels really bizarre juxtaposed against all of the senators, Mm -hmm. but I don't think he's bad at his job. I just think he's a very by-the-books kind of cop detective. So going to when Bale and Padme have let the killer get away because Padme had to choose between saving Bale or catching the killer, and she chose to save Bale because she's a good person. And then... Inspector Devo's there. He's like, and you didn't think to tell me that you had gone and investigated and like questioned the suspects? To but like, the whole reason that Padme went is because she didn't think that he would do a competent job, but... She didn't even ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's his whole point. Yeah. He is like, there are rules that you need to follow. Exactly. And I'd imagine, especially as a inspector who's like, I am dealing with the uppity up crustiest crust Mm -hmm. i need to follow every single rule exactly if i want to make a collar maybe he talks about that he says now do you have any idea how much paperwork i'm gonna have to follow oh my gosh i know which is a throwaway gag until you think man this is like real scary stuff how many murders do we have two yeah Almost three, almost four. Yeah. I mean, that is a ton of paperwork. (laughs) I think his whole thing is that he legitimately thinks if everybody followed the rules, that there would be no reason for his job. And I think he might really appreciate that. He doesn't seem like he enjoys what he's doing, but he seems to feel that there is a real necessity for his work. Hmm. So he's more of an Obi-Wan than an Anakin. Well, I don't know. Do you want something fun, though, about Lieutenant Devo? Sure. He is voiced by Tom Kenny, who we know as the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants. (laughs) And if that isn't (laughs) delightful. (laughs) Wow. So we were talking. Now I I just can't unsee it. I know, I know. You you literally cannot unhear (laughs) it when you go back. Because he has like. The exact opposite nose and the exact opposite face. And then you just, now you see it. So he has one of the only character designs that the crew specifically designed to be asymmetrical. Yeah, it's 
a little bit subtle, but it's also like over the top. You try to look for it and you're like, he looks incredibly asymmetrical. And yeah. It's like one eyebrow is permanently raised. His mouth is all crooked. His eyes are kind of like slanted in different yeah. directions. Ironically, this is what human faces look like. Like none of us would be as beautiful as Padme's cohort mm -hmm. if we were animated. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like. Padme and Mon Mothra are specifically played by beautiful actresses, so. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, I hate him, but in some ways I kind of agree with him that there are rules and senators of all people probably should be the ones following them. But I'm also such a hypocrite when it comes to Padme. Like, I'm also 100% a neutral good character also. Because action Padme does get things done. yeah. But outside the law, outside the law. Yeah, it's a funny thing. I'm, I'm actually reminded in this instance of the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan books, which are pretty funny. But the main thing is starting out, you have like an intelligence analyst and then he becomes like a spy combat monster. And it's just too much when you have an actual team of people and they're all specialized in different things. It's it's a more believable, relatable story because the skill sets are completely different. Hmm. I just don't know what Padme's thinking as she strap gets strapped and goes out to the docks to find someone or something who her uncle was talking to. Like that's without informing the police. That's sketchy. yeah. I remember thinking that Bale of all people should have known better. I think Bale knows better to the extent that he's like. Padme is going to get herself in real trouble, and so there should probably be two of us. Yeah, but as her quasi-mentor, like as mm -hmm. her closest ally in the Senate, I kind of expected him to be like, this really isn't our place. Well, that's what Mon Mothma tried to say. Yeah, and, and Bale hints at it too, and yeah. yeah, Padme was just on her... Warpath. Warpath. Yeah, she's got a little bit of that... Anakin juice in her and she's ready to go to Yeah, for real. If Padme has a significant character flaw, I think it's that she always needs to be involved. Yeah. Like she's yeah. the overachiever group project leader who is like, if I don't touch everything in this project, it will be bogus and we'll get an F. Which, you know, hashtag <laughs> relatable. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And maybe this is just how she gets her, you know, trim figure is running around the docks at nightly night. Nightly escapades to go whoop butt. Her blaster arm bicep is significantly more buff than her other one. Yeah, yeah. And I've found I shoot a lot of archery and it actually really helps with mental focus. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. Under the shooting range. Senator Amidala just in the shooting range at all hours of night, yeah. avoiding her husband. Well, he's off at war. When know? will my husband return from the war? Well, especially because they're like, we're in huge battleships fighting each other. And he's like, I'm going to jump in a space fighter and go punch things. Pew, like, pew. Mad that. Uh, so hmm. I really like what you were saying earlier about this being basically retconned. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I think it does that perfectly. Yeah. I just remember feeling extremely unimpressed by Padme's speech in this episode when I watched it for the first time. It's not mm -hmm. that ringing, incredible, sweeping victory that yeah. it is at the end of Pursuit of Peace. And her speech is so good at the end of that episode. And now it makes more sense that everyone is congratulating her and toasting her. She really has been the star of the show yeah. 
up until this point. And I think that's why I was kind of bummed out by this episode. It's sort of an unsatisfying ending to the power and the drama of the previous two episodes. Yeah, I don't honestly feel like they're part of the same arc. Hmm. At the end of the previous arc, it goes a different way. The bill goes a different way. Palpatine is thwarted and Padme, her star is rising. In this episode, Padme's star has already risen. She is thwarted and she loses an ally. It's, you know, it's across the same backdrop with the same cast of characters because we see Senator Michi and we see, or Senator Dici, and we see Senator Bertoni in 3.8 and 3.9. But here, you know, some of them die and also their their background like they're they're the main characters. So it's it's a different arc and it could be played with like a completely different cast. In a way I think that the crime part of this is the actual interesting part. Hmm. But then they decided to recycle the characters and actually turn it into something interesting for 38 and 39. I don't know. Either way, it's pretty like it's pretty wild. It's super wild. I think the point of the previous two episodes was to create the rising star of Padme. Mm -hmm. And I think it was to show that you can get really close to thwarting Palpatine, but he will correct your trajectory Mm -hmm. somehow. Well, this episode came out first, right? It did. Absolutely. So we knew that the Bill was going to fail because well, we saw the, it here. That was the deregulation of the banks. So they filed off all the serial numbers for that that other arc, for the Heroes on Both Sides arc. This was the same bill. No, no, this was a different bill. That one in Heroes on Both Sides, they went into much more detail about what the bill would do. It was very similar, but I do really very much feel like the writers were unhappy with this episode because they had taken a really cool concept and turned it into a murder mystery. So they resurrected two characters and pulled Lolo out of jail and then made Heroes on Both Sides and made it into a more interesting arc about the politics of the situation as opposed to some, you know, crazy Senate murder thing. Could be. The end of Pursuit of Peace, we see Palpatine and Masameda in his office and Masameda's like, what are you going to do about this bill on the floor? So yeah, I'm just yeah. assuming that Senate murders is what Palpatine was planning to do about the bill. And that is how we read it as well by watching in chronological order. Mm. Because this is also, of course, the last we see of Senator, Senator Dici and Anaconda Far. Hmm. Which is sad because Uncle Anno had a really interesting arc of redemption. So is there, do you think that this adds to the corpus of works that is the Clone Wars? Is it something that, is this a skippable episode in Hmm. your mind? I'm not sure if I believe in the concept of skippable episodes. I agree. And it's, it's kind of a spectrum because you will always lose out on something. Yeah. So I'm a big believer when I'm reading a book series and I finish it, I always go back and start over again Hmm. because I want to follow all of the threads and see like when the author pulled this idea in and then when they were laying the groundwork for this thing. Yeah. And I, 
I kind of like worry about this episode because it was one of the ones that made me hate the Clone Wars. <laughs> Interesting. I just, it didn't make any sense. It was totally out of left field. It yeah. didn't get followed up in my watching of the Clone Wars. Yeah. And I just felt a strong distaste for it. And it was one of the things that made me not want to watch all the way through. Mm-hmm. Now that I've made it to season three and I've seen the glory of the funding the war arc, it makes more sense and it's logical and it feels like a conclusion to those two episodes. But it really was like a risky episode for me. I was kind of teetering on the edge of, I never want to watch any Clone Wars after this. If it's going to be full of these weird standalone episodes Mm -hmm. that don't have a satisfying conclusion and don't feel tethered to reality, then I'm not going to, you know, watch a hundred more episodes. So to our listeners, do you think it'd be wise to watch all three of these episodes together as one arc? I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's not skippable, but I think I would want viewers to watch it carefully Mm -hmm. in chronological order. But for me, like the real gift, the real reward is getting to season three. Yeah. I think that's when we're we're feeling some momentum building. The plot is tightening up. The quality has been upgraded. So, yeah, I don't know. Left to an exercise for the watcher. <laughs> but mm, it's not it's not it's not my jam. So, when I when I planned this out, I decided that this one was separate in order to set us up for the next arcs because we are in these massive arcs coming up mm. and we've got three triple headers. Oh, wow. So the next ones that are coming up are going to be so huge and so impactful that it felt nice to have a little bit of a respite and to explore one of these episodes like we used to to the level of detail. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting detail in these three episodes, but as you said, going back to the season two animation and seeing it, it's just, it's interesting. I think Lieutenant Devo deserves a little bit of... I, I, I like the way you redeemed him. Mm. By, by having him be, you know, a hardworking cop because that is a tough thing. And that that line. I was raised in a culture where the right libertarian ethos is ascendant. Mm. Where, you know, all politicians are terrible. All cops are alternatively heroes and villains depending mm. on if they're, you know fighting against the man alongside you or if they're working for the man to defeat your enemies. It's a weird, weird, it's a weird set of rules to follow. And similar to like Ron Swanson in Parks and Rec, uh-huh. Lieutenant Devo is like the cop who doesn't want to be a cop almost. Ooh, yeah. And I think that that's a really cool archetype on this watch through. Yeah. Because I did try to be a little bit more forgiving of him. Yeah, I mean, he's a very weird character. I'm not going to say he's my favorite. I think he does a phenomenal job of setting the tone, Yeah, which is, you know, the Coruscant, urban, noir kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was reminded when I revisited my notes from Bombad Jedi how some of my biases have been corrected during the course of this project. Yeah. So when I originally wrote notes about the separatists, when Ono was trying to join them, Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I can see why he would be tempted. The 
libertarianism of the separatists is a lot more nimble than the bureaucracy of the galactic senate Mm -hmm. and now having met the separatist parliament and recognized it as a legitimate government with structures and policies and with people who are trying to do the right thing Mm -hmm. it you know makes me think that i had biases about Lieutenant Devo, too, because I didn't like him the last time we saw him. Yeah, because he did show up shortly in a previous episode. He uh, did. Sphere of Influence, I believe. Oh, yeah. Because he's the one who's investigating the disappearance of the Pantoran daughters. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he misses the major clue in that, which is the displaced icon. Yeah, and he was so distasteful to me that I totally skimmed over him in that episode anyway. (laughs) I wonder if that is actually a good cop trait not one that will like make you rise to the high ranks of being a cop but people kind of innately find you incompetent and so Mm. that they're perfectly willing to be like and i do it all again and you're like by the way i have cops behind you and they're like oh no i'm arrested yeah 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 you shouldn't have you shouldn't have spilled the beans interesting Mm. so do you think palpatine is behind all of it well that's what i have been trying to figure out Because I was putting the pieces together at the end of Pursuit of Peace when Mm -hmm. he's like, we're going to have to let the wheels of democracy turn, Masameda. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's like, well, democracy did its thing. And that smirk at Lolo makes me wonder if he planted some seeds in her about how maybe she was more fit to be the top dog on Rhodia than Ono was. Or perhaps that she would never receive the forgiveness, that she would never receive his amends. Hmm. Because the amends he gave to Padme were obviously good enough, but he could say something like, well, you know, Anno's more of a, his, his only constituent he cares about is Padme. Hmm. And that would be enough to turn Lolo against Senator Farr. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't enough that he was making his life's work a a living amendment Mm -hmm. of his past behavior. Maybe Lolo's one of those people who's like, you wrong me once and I will, you know, have a grudge against you forever. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because it seems like, I mean, we have no evidence one way or the other, but it seems like the Rodians did all right after that point. You know, there's no further battles or sieges of Rhodia, Hmm. as far as we know. As far as we know. So it's interesting that she still carries that that betrayal, although it speaks to one more thing. So on our Conveyx trip uh, on Vandor, it was pretty cold. And we were talking about the micro traumas of being cold all the time. Oh my God, I know. Now, one of the real traumas that leads to like generational trauma is hunger. Hmm. And I think that perhaps Lolo, because she's also a real skinny Rodian. She's a very harmless looking. Her concept art makes her look adorable. Yeah. I think she's skinny even for the uh, more gracile female Rodians, hmm. but maybe she experienced hunger like real hunger. Yeah, yeah. And that is enough to change the way you think permanently. Ooh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, Gary Paulson, who recently passed, wrote about that in Hatchet, Hmm. which is a book about a kid who is flying across, I believe, Alaska. 
he his plane crashes, the pilot dies, and he has to survive a summer. Mm-hmm. He starts out fat, and then he's ripped by the end. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the sequel books, he just never ate enough to get back to the mm-hmm. full weight because he's always like frittering away food. He would store food away instead of eating it because he was neurotic about it. Yeah, yeah. We talk about this a lot when we talk about folks who survived mm-hmm. the depression. Yeah, yeah. If you have grandparents or great-grandparents or you yourself are of the age where you survived the depression. You, you might be weird about food. Yeah, like those of us who are roughly our age to go visit our grandparents. Like here I have, you know, a pantry stocked with unperishable food that 18 is like, flavors of jam. Yeah, and like it all expired in the late 90s. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, so yeah, you know, better to have it and not need it. It's an interesting thing that might be a motivator for her. I think it is so cool that the more we go through the Clone Wars, everything circles back to trauma because I think that is so true in real life. Absolutely. There's that adage about like every adult you meet is a traumatized person. Everyone has lived through trauma in a varying mm-hmm. degree. And so no one has ever met a fully sane human because all of us are struggling with our own battles, right? And like, I I love that reading of Lolo. Yeah. Hmm. Well. Food, I... food for thought, but a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for your crimes, I sent it to you too. One million years of Baywatch. 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 It's time for Baywatch. One million years Baywatch. Whoa. Okay, I'll tell you my bay. Okay. And it was a hard decision because I thought there was nobody bay worthy in this arc. Mm. I was tempted to select nobody. But... I have selected Anaconda Far, Uncle Ono. Yeah. He is my bay. Uh, is this our first posthumous bay? Posthumous bay? Oh is my gosh. Well, you selected Trench and he probably died. No comment. No comment. Oh man. <laughs> Spiders always come back to bite me in the butt. <laughs> Don't sit on them. <laughs> this might be our first. Yeah, this might be our first. Bay Beyond the Grave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And we already talked about all the reasons. Yeah. I love characters who are atoning. Mm -hmm. I think they're incredibly cool to watch. I think his decisions were justified. I think even his decision to renege on the Separatists when they were threatening Padme was justified. And I believe that if you make a mistake and you say sorry and you work really hard to correct it, I think that counts. I feel like what you're really doing is making amends for choosing Jar Jar as your bae. What? <laughs> by, choosing, by choosing Uncle Anna this I time. would never. <laughs> I would never. Did I immediately regret choosing Jar Jar as my bae from Bombay Jedi when he went and killed a senator? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> You're not as good a liar as Senator Bertoni. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, she's pretty great. Yeah. She's got cool, evil. She has the most ornate earrings, and that counts for something. That really does. Yeah. That really does. Yeah, so Ono's my bae. 
Interesting, interesting. Who's your Bay? Well, Anna was on the list, Ooh. as was Padme, of course, and Bale. But I'm going to choose, after our discussion, Lieutenant Devo. Oh, guess what? He was second on my list. Really? Yeah. Um, Going back to one of the original pillars of Baywatch for me is, do you do your job to the best of your ability? Do you do it well? Do you execute it well? Mm. And... Although it seems like he doesn't, he kind of does. Hmm. And although it seems like he's going to take away Senator Bertoni, like, I don't think he was, I think that would have shaken out. I think he was slow and methodical, but had to do it the way he did it. Hmm. Yeah, don't underestimate Lieutenant Devo. Yeah, so on his extremely lengthy Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. there's a much more realistic picture of him. Uh-huh. Doesn't look nearly as weird. Okay. And then also, apparently, his kids and great-grandkids were also uh, cops. Wow. You know? And he has all these like famous cases that he was part of, and he dealt with the uh, the Mugans and the Slavin. Oh, yeah. Slaven. Yeah, he dealt with all of this. He's a very high ranking cop who like does the right thing. And he's a he's a doofus, but he's trying. You know, considering the number of corrupt civil servants we saw in the Mandalorian arcs, yeah. that actually brings me great peace that Lieutenant Diva was over there with a stick up his butt, making mm-hmm. everybody follow the rules. Yeah. Like, I think we need more Devo energy. Yeah. If you're going to have, you know, the cops show up and investigate everything, you kind of want them to be... Thorough and hardworking as opposed to shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. I don't want them to be extremely innovative and dashing. I want them to follow everything to the T, to do all of their homework, to be very annoying about getting the facts. Exactly. Because that is the lesson, right? That's the fortune cookie. Searching for the truth is easy. Accepting the truth is hard. Yeah. Hmm. But searching... For the truth, searching for the whole truth does require a lot of work. Mm-hmm. As does the amends that yeah. Anna Far had to make. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's a good choice. I'm regretting it. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> I cannot be like Uncle Anno and regret this the rest of my life. I'm going to move on Ooh. to the next arc. And then I'm going to choose a whole new bay, and that's going to be a tough one. Sam is very excited about the next arc. I've been excited about this next arc for months. Sam, what are we watching? We are watching The Night Sister. Ooh! What is that season? So we're watching The Clone Wars Season 3, Episodes 12, 13, and 14. Oh, this is a monster. This arc, the next arc, and the arc after are transformative in the Clone Wars. Wow. Friends will become enemies. Enemies will become friends. What? Brothers will turn against brothers. No. It will be a real deal. And oh, my it God. Is extremely exciting. Wow. So join us next week for that. That's going to be, I'm, I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited by osmosis. <laughs> 
As always, you can follow us on social media at Growing Up Skywalker. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you want more Skywalker, you can become one of our patrons. Just Mm -hmm. look for Growing Up Skywalker on Patreon. We release bonus content every Thursday. Yes. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice and drop us a review if you like what you're hearing. And send us to your local cop who's always on the beat and needs something to listen to. Something to go with the coffee and donuts. Yeah. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye.